This has to be one of the greatest timed releases of a video game in my life. And I mean, it's it's showing it. Like the the sales are through the fucking roof for it. Biggest sales in the series history. Yeah, it's it's amazing, especially for a game that is largely unchanged in what eighteen years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well even the changes that they did make. I'm from what I'm hearing. I haven't played any of the DS ones. They've reneged on all of them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like like some of the. I mean, obviously the the two the two account thing. Uh, that is um. That that like you can't have a second account and they can't like, yeah, do story yeah. related shit yeah yeah that yeah uh, my sister was saying that she couldn't even get her boyfriend to play the game with her because he was like I'm not doing just living on your island fuck that yeah you you he can only like farm things <laughs> yeah that would I mean that would suck but I mean I I think both my sisters played the DS versions but I never really really played them yeah. Yeah, the, the I mean the GameCube one still go. I'm still mad they took out the Nintendo games, but I get it also. Yeah, I mean that was that was such a crazy feature. The GameCube one is an all timer. It is great. I do want to go back, but I I like I time traveled. So did you? I, I time traveled hard. How how did you get a lot of weeds? Uh yeah, it looked like fucking a uh, a, a Silver Lake uh, home <laughs> in front of it. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh so here we are. Uh I mean I guess we can intro the show. Yeah. Uh man, we are back on uh recalling Saul. That was our little Animal Crossing section right there. Uh me and Pat are we are I'm in week three. I think we're both on week three of quarantine. Yeah, yeah. No, I've no. been uh since the I mean it's this I think this might even be Today is the th- either the third or fourth week. I, who the fuck can keep it straight anymore? Uh, no one. I, I mean, there's no end in sight. So yeah, we just got. I mean, I didn't think the April thing was likely, even though it would have been hilarious for everything, the ban to be lifted on 420. Yeah, uh, but, uh, especially in California. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's not like dispensaries have closed. Um, but. It, we just got the word to uh, remain in place until the end of May. So, or not? Sorry, Jesus, not the not the end of May yet. The begin until the May. Beginning of May. Yeah, the beginning. It of May. could very well be until the end. My of May. my birthday's fucked. Let's just be clear here. My birthday is definitely fucked. This will be the mm-hmm. weirdest birthday ever. We're gonna make up for it. So, uh, yeah, video birthday, weird. FaceTime birthday will be <laughs> in full effect. Can't wait. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to get off of that bummer, I want to get to something that actually made this week a lot better for me, and that is yeah. episode episode six of Better Call Saul Wexler versus Goodman. Pat, you know, I'm gonna get your opinion on this in just a second. I came out of this episode with my jaw dropped. Um, I'm willing to just throw it on the gauntlet. This is probably one of my favorite Breaking Bad universe episodes ever. And also, I have to say, probably the top three Better Call Saul episode ever. Yeah, it was really, really good. I think one of the best things about it was realizing just how much they had been building towards something like this for the entire show, more or less. Right. Uh, specifically, uh, something like this, meaning some type of legitimate legitimate legal confrontation between Kim and Jimmy. Yeah. And uh, it played out about as harshly as it could have, I would say. Uh, until, you know, we get to the end of the episode, which 
I don't know. I may, I think is either huge or a, a, a tiny. We'll, we'll get there. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you think. We're going to go long form on that. Cause I have written a lot of things about it. Um, I, I think that again, we are, Hey, we are more than halfway there. I, I think we predicted last week, things are going to pick up and they certainly did in this episode in a major way. I, I think that we are, we have now we've, let's just rip the bandaid off. And that's what they did. They just said, you know what, th- th- this is where we're going for the rest of the series here. Um, we got a strong language disclaimer at the top of the episode. Did you see that? I, I knew we, we, were got, we got an F bomb. We got an F bomb here and they warned you at the top of the episode. Usually AMC will do it right before the actual word is said. Like when they did, when they did an IFT, I fucked head. Yeah. Yeah. Dead. That was that was I believe if I remember correctly they did that disclaimer right the commercial break after um she said or before she said it uh, this one they did it at the top of the show and I'm waiting for the f bomb or whatever bomb well not it would have to be f bomb because they do say shit on the show yeah but um, I'm waiting for it and it didn't happen until literally the last final ten minutes one of the most gripping intense ten minutes um this show has done and and really like you want to talk about things like you know and we expect this in breaking bad we expect like a, a one minute or a uh the the end of uh, ozymandias or something like that like we expect one of those where it's like a shootout or something like that the way better call Saul handles their tense moments is all through character and emotion and a lot of the build-up to this episode is through that so the uh the cold open here we see Ki- we see kim as a kid and her mom her mom looked really really similar to Rhea Seahorn. I'm pretty sure I was actually uh, talking to Wes about this. We both thought it was her. It, yeah, I thought it was her in uh, in on um in makeup. Yeah, and makeup. one moment when she's like it it sounds a, she sounds a little bit different for the most part, but there's one moment when she says I can't remember what she says, but whatever she does say, I was like, oh that that sounds just like her. Yeah, the, the little kid. You mean the yeah? Uh, well, the, the mom actually. The, the, when you because they never really sh- they like showed her kind of in silhouettes more than they showed like her full on. And yeah. one of the things she says to the younger Kim, I thought that sounded exactly like Seahorn. But you are right in in keeping with how they've always done well in this. They did a great job casting uh, the younger Kim. Performance was really good, even down to her physical tics. Uh, was yeah. really the tapping, good. The tapping, the, ta- the tapping, the tapping mm-hmm. was great. Uh, so her mom or Kim upset at her mom for drinking. Uh, her mom picks her up late and, and, uh, she, she's in junior high at this point. Um, Kim is upset at her mom for drinking and decides to walk home. I'm going to touch on this scene again. Of course, it leads into the episode after this. I'm going to touch on this scene again. Cause I did listen to the better call saw insider podcast, and we're going to have our big blog conversation at the end. I'm going to try and speed through this episode so that we can get to the, to the meaty part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was, you know, just quickly before we do, I was, I, my reaction scene was like, okay, so we know that Kim herself, like alcohol is crucial to her relationship with Jimmy at this yeah, point. Like they're right. always drinking. And even like outside of that, I, I, you know, I guess it was like, we're, I guess we're supposed to see that she's always been dealing with like put like people she basically had to put up with. Right. Uh, but you know, I guess, of her. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I, I thought it was, pr- I liked it in that beyond just that obvious stuff, it was like a little bit of uh, clearly it was thematically relevant, but it was uh, kind of ambiguous more, more so than they usually are. Cause they've had plenty of, thematically relevant flashbacks beforehand i mean tons of shows do cold opens like that this show and breaking bad are particularly good at it but this one was a little more uh had a little more poetry to it 
Oh, and I am going to get to that. <laughs> they do talk about the, the the perfect word for that was ambiguous, and I I want to see what you glean from what the uh, the writers of the of this episode had to say about it. On okay, the okay. Um, so we come back to the base of Verde commercial. Uh, really, really good. I love the fake Saul commercials here. And oh are, my god, there are so a lot good. of them. There are a lot of them in this uh in, in this in this uh, episode the av kids are back and they're helping saul craft his own mesa verde commercial we're not really sure what it is yet but saul does say he wants shock and awe he wants a number of spots done in 24 hours uh he suggested green screen which he calls a blue screen of course this is the early 2000s yeah uh and he <laughs> crafts a green screen <laughs> he crafts his own with spray paint and we get a montage of a number of commercials being made in the nail salon uh, montages are again one of this this series and one of this universe's strengths. But we see a lot of really fun stuff with Saul directing and uh, putting even some of the AV theater kids inside of the commercial as well. Uh, I thought this was a really good scene. Yeah, I did too. They, I mean, it's amazing how. I mean, I guess it, it is you know to the show's direction, and they only, only do it in small moments. But they get pretty good performances out of these the random you know featured extras they have in all these montages uh, and in Saul's actual direction of them. I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, he He's, I mean, it's, it's, I think when Odenkirk, like his, even though it isn't, the scene is more peppy than it is comic. Uh, but I think it's where Odenkirk's comic, you know, experience really gets to shine when he's, you know, being this performative, when he's really doing the showman stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is where we see we see we see a lot of highlights and lowlights of Saul this episode. And this yeah. is definitely a moment where we we kind of get to see what why we enjoy this character before we're uh drawn right back down to the underground. Yeah, um yeah. so Kim shows up, really good shot of Kim in the in the door with the glass there where how she appears almost like a a uh, a ghoul in in a lot of yes, ways. Yes. Yes. Uh really enjoyed that camera shot. Um but she, you know, She's talking to Saul and she says, you know, she tries to get Saul to have Acker settle for 75K and she'll pay the rest out of her pocket. And this scene is <laughs> this scene is very crucial. It's seen as very crucial, not only because we don't know this yet, but it's actually a lower amount than what she's actually saying. Yeah. So she's saying 75K to start. And that is very crucial because she's lying to Jimmy at this point about how much they're really willing to give Acker and how much he's really going to have to pay out of pocket. Um, also kind of brings a lot into focus as much as like uh, how much Kim actually has as far as money, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know anything about living costs, you know, in, you know, pre-financial crisis Albuquerque. I don't really know, uh, you know, exactly what uh, what that was like, but I can't imagine, you know, for two, for she's a corporate lawyer, and Jimmy sometimes makes money. So I would imagine, <laughs> you know, they, I mean, their place is nice, nicer than my fucking place. <laughs> uh, Saul says that, you know, he, she shouldn't, you know, fear rich or anyone because they can't prove anything. Uh, and, and Kim says, you know what? It's just not worth it. It's not worth the stress. This is literally what we've been saying for weeks. This is yeah, not. Yeah. And I, I just want to say before, before we get to her reaction of it, that this is the real difference between the two of them is that Jimmy is saying they can't prove anything. Mm. And Kim is like, that doesn't always matter. Like right. that only matters when like you're really scamming people. Like you're not supposed to lawyer people in real life. You're supposed to lawyer people in a courtroom, but Jimmy lawyers everybody in real life. Like proof is only a thing in the courtroom. It's not a thing that exists in 
human relationships beyond, you know, a, a practical sense. Absolutely. And, and he, you see how Saul treats humans as transactional and he almost kind of does it here, not directly to Kim, but he does it here with Acker and playing the, the chess pieces between Acker, Mesa Verde and Kevin all against each other. Cause he's, he lives for the grift. Yeah. He's creating yet another obtuse, really elaborate grift where we wonder what was the point of half of these steps anyway. And he's doing it right now. Yeah. He um, can't, he can't walk away ever. He can never walk away from it. Um, so we're back after commercial with Nacho. He's back after a three yes. stretch. Um, he meets with Gus and Mike is and Mike is back in tow. Mike is there. He hops out of the whip. And and I think we are firmly it's safe to say we're firmly entrenched into the, the at least somewhat uh, the Mike and Gus uh, tandem is, is yeah. kind of back kind of off a little bit here. Um, this prompts Gus to uh, to essentially ask, you know, Nacho what's going on. Uh, he says Lalo is having crazy eight snitch to the DEA about Gus's dealers, which is prompting Gus to have to protect his people by promoting or hiring low level dealers to take the fall. Um, he, he also mentions a lot of other stuff, mainly uh, with Lalo basically trying to destroy Gus from the inside, poisoning his workers, um, ruining Los Polos Hermanos, doing a whole <laughs> bunch of really crazy stuff. I loved Gus's reaction of like, is this motherfucker serious? Yeah, yeah. It's It was a, it was a funny like Gus just being like, what the f- Come on. Yeah, like and and again how how deranged and desperate Lalo is because he knows that that Gus can play the politic game. He can play the political game really well and play anyone off each other, but he's going to hit him where it hurts with in his pockets and also hit him where Gus can't exactly play the political game and that is by directly affecting his employees and with Lalo basically being like, "Hey, I don't have anything to do with it. It's all happening from the inside." Yeah. Uh so after that happens, uh, Nacho, Nacho is told his marching orders by Gus. He now answers to Mike, which, again, Mike is his number one general. Uh, so Nacho walks up and tries to warn Mike about Gus. Of course, you know, Nacho and Mike have been together ever since the Salamanca uh, beef that he had a couple of seasons ago. And Mike is less than sympathetic. He says that Nacho jumped into this knowing who he was working with. Mike wants to take care of Lalo. And then we'll talk about freeing uh, Nacho and his father from Gus's grips. How'd you feel about this? Like with Mike knowing how Gus is and knowing what he does, but not really feeling that bad about Nacho saying, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it was evidence of a few things. I mean, we got to see, you know, that Mike ultimately uh, is softer than Gus. You know, Mike is incredibly good at his job, uh, but part of, part of his job is being a little bit softer than Gus, but even beyond that, he just is. And, uh, you know, cause he does say, you know, we'll, when he says we'll talk after we get, uh, he gives him the tough love of like, of what you said, but then he does say, we'll talk. And it seems like he means it when he says that, uh, I think the, uh, further than that, it's, uh, you know, just kind of, I think there's no way Nacho's storyline doesn't end horribly for Nacho. Right. Uh, you know, because he's uh, of the way he's, I, I believe, br- very briefly referenced in Breaking Bad. And uh, I, my, I think that they're, I think that ultimately Mike and Nacho's relationship is going to color in Mike and Jesse's relationship a yes. lot. Yes. And I think that, you know, we've talked about that a little bit in previous episodes. I think now it's really evident that like Nacho's probably going to fucking die and Mike is going to carry that into his relationship with Jesse. And I, and I think to this point, 
how involved is Gus in this downfall? And if that's the case, you know, how did Mike forgive this and move on? Yeah, yeah. And I think it could easily be constructed as even if it is kind of Gus's fault and something that Mike can hold against Gus uh, is something ultimately that, you know, Lalo's people are also involved in. Like, I expect Lalo himself is also going to look most of these people are going to die yeah. uh, or, or, you know, because I can't imagine that a lot of them are going to be, you know, in prison for the duration of Breaking Bad like that. I, you know, I, I, who knows? Uh, but you, you know what I mean? Ultimately, it's going to this scene to me signified how how tragic ultimately Nacho's storyline and Mike's relationship with him is going to end up in this show. Right. Uh, back in Mesa Verde, uh, Acker is accepting the settlement and Kim apologize or, or I'm sorry, Kim thinks that Acker is going to accept yeah. the settlement. Mesa, Mesa Verde is a, a bank, by the way. Yes. Uh, very we, much so. we, the, we finally the reveal. Of, of just what kind of business Mesa Verde is and does. Well, they're Wells Fargo, right? The the yeah. actual logo looks like the Wells Fargo. It does. It does. Well, it looks like a Native American photograph, but yeah, it does. Yeah. It, uh, it does. Wells Fargo does also have the horses. Uh, so Kim apologizes to Rich for her blow up on him last episode. He warns her about breaking in front of the troops, and he sets up a lunch with Kim to save face. Did this change your view of Rich, or did it was it his his business as usual? Uh, you know, like don't ever pull rank on me thing. Was that something where it's kind of like it sets up later where it's like okay, we're not supposed to like this guy because I didn't feel as though he was wrong here. I, I, no, I, I honestly I came away from this thinking like wow, working for a guy like Rich would would be kind of great. Like yeah. we've now like we. We saw him like after the last scene where he kind of said like I don't totally like this is obviously fucked up. You need to get off of the case, which any reasonable person honestly would have I think said anyway. I mean, you and I even to that point were like somebody's got to say something that like they're both involved in this. It's not appropriate. Uh, and so it, even the way that even though the way he did it was a little standoffish, mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't so standoffish that it made him seem like a real villain in the show. And then his reaction to this was also appropriate. Like yeah. I, he, I thought he handled the whole situation very well, despite Kim's awkward, nerdy apology. Because essentially, you know, he was trying to protect her, and he still is trying to protect her because yeah. now he knows that she's called in essentially a shark into this whole thing and and really muddled it up. And we're about to see just how muddled it's going to get. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think just final word on Rich before we move on. I, I like. I think that I think he. What's What's cool about him is that uh, we talked. We referenced ambiguity earlier. Uh, I think it's kind of. If you could interpret it as even if he actually thinks that she did bring Jimmy in, like he, even if he has the most negative and real interpretation of it, uh, he, he, because he's giving her this out, he's kind of like, you know what? Maybe she did do this. It's not really affecting me personally. I don't yeah. think it's damaging the firm irreparably. So I'm just going to kind of give her a little bit of an out. Like he, he really did do the coolest thing in any in any sense of it, even though, you know, he does look a little villainous. Yeah. And, and essentially, when you think about it in a professional setting, it's not that villainous. He, he could have did a lot more or a lot worse than give her free lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he said, like you know, I, I, he even said, like I break, I have break broken plenty of times. Like I, I go off, but don't, don't create a, a shitty situation for everybody, including the people outside, by doing it 
He's right. This, I mean, if you've ever worked in an office, honestly, he's right. Like, I don't. <laughs> I, I like him. Uh, so we are, <laughs> we are back to Mike in, in full detective <laughs> mode. <laughs> full, this is great. Full PI mode. We got a lot of, a lot of people in, uh, we, we got a lot of people in, uh, their, their element this episode, right? Oh yeah. So, uh, we, we get Mike at the library where, and again, this is yet another, uh, episode where I had to go back and watch, uh, get re, uh, re, What's what's the word? I had to get <laughs> reacclimated to the story. I had to get reacclimated to the story <laughs> because I was lost on what was going on here, and I had to stop it and go back and be like, "Oh yeah, that happened in literally the last episode of last season." But uh, he finds the the person uh, Lillian who saw uh, Lalo blow up at the. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was crazy, Pat. Do you it remember was. that scene? I do. I also had to be like. I, I'll confess that I had to uh, look up exactly what was happening. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of and, and again like this is so dense and I don't think me or you rewatched the series before this the season started. I do no, remember. I'm definitely after this season or maybe even before it ends. I got to restart. Yeah, I'm gonna have to as well because it I didn't rewatch and maybe that's to the detriment of myself because these shows are very dense. And they do do a lot of references. So when I'm doing my notes, just to make sure I don't miss anything, I do listen to the podcast. I'll check out the Reddit. I'll make sure I didn't, you know, I didn't skip over anything. And I definitely missed out on this part. So I had to go back and rewatch it. Of course, he's talking about when uh, Lalo had the, the blow up during the whole Werner uh, mess where he was trying to find the uh, the engineer for the super lab. And he pulled he pulled the burner out <laughs> and, let, and let somebody have it. Uh, he gets her to, he, he forces, Mike forces, uh, Lillian to ID his car in, in such a Mike way where he's like, are you sure that was a car? And it's like, it's through, uh, persuasion that he gets her to say that that was actually him. Uh, there's a big plan here. Of course, uh, he gets the Lillian to call the detectives that investigated it back to Saul. He's out of the courthouse and he reviews it. He freezes a, uh, a hand job from one of the prostitutes that he helped out and he <laughs> asks, he asked for an hour of their time. And this is where the episode starts to turn for me as far as Saul is concerned. Yeah, man, I didn't like this. I, I said it literally right there. I said it right in my notes as well. I said, uh, questioning this gag weekly. Yeah, <laughs> because why, like, I mean, I like, I, it, I kind of buy that, like, this is now Saul's outlet for, like, stress relief because he's kind of a prick, you know, and always has been. But, I it like Howard gets on screen and his speaking voice is just so fucking funny to me that then when Jimmy just fucks with him, it makes me sad. Like I, yeah. I want him to leave Howard alone. Yeah, it, it's it's very mean spirited. Um, so it's well, I, I mean, as soon as I I saw uh, Howard and I knew we all knew that yeah, you know, Jimmy had asked for the prostitutes or the 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 uh, the working ladies. Sorry. <laughs> um to 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 join him and i saw howard i i said oh no come on saul the workers of course show up at howard's lunch to paint him well uh, I'm, I'm sorry nice uh guest spot by ed begley jr here love yeah. loves yeah. ed begley jr uh but they get they get you know they get there and they paint howard as a cheap customer who didn't pay them saul is making howard's life a living hell but at this point why we don't know yet. Again, we still have questions about why he's doing this to Howard. Uh, but it's also another example of Saul going against the guys at the top. 
yeah. thing. This goes for Rich. This goes for Kevin. This goes for Howard. Anyone that he perceives at the top, they don't even have to be bad guys. Like, is Kevin really a bad guy? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not in my mind. I mean, the, <laughs> like, Howard's not a bad guy. He's actually yeah, look, quite he's nice. One of Saul's best friends, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only guy that's still rooting for him. Yeah. And, and, and Rich isn't even really a bad guy. And, and no. Saul treats him really badly. So, again, this is yet another example of Saul, you know, just basically chipping away at the upper crust because he feels as though they've been so wrong to him. And it and kind it's, of. It's kind ahead. of. It's. The thing that's, you know, especially aggravating about it is like, and maybe not aggravating, I don't know, he, he not like everybody's dream should be to be like, you know, a white collar lawyer, but he could, he could, it's not like he is, he's not some down and out guy, like pranking Howard. He could be sitting in there eating lunch with him right now right. if he wanted to. He's not he's like, he's making himself to be some outsider that he kind of isn't. And like, that's why he's an asshole. Yeah. He's kind of forcing his way between the lines. Yeah. Of yeah. being an outlaw. And yeah. It's like he, you, you know, you, you grew on, you grew on a privilege, but his actions are making him out to be someone that is way worse than what we originally saw four years ago when this show started. Yeah. Um, back to Mike where he's giving an intern hell at the police station. Uh, but he does get the follow back to the station uh perfectly iding lalo's car we get a nice uh cameo by the cop who actually uh let walt out remember that when he, when yes. he got, when he got a uh, pepper spray i think yeah. uh, we brought that episode up last episode uh, last episode of this podcast actually but a uh, nice cameo by him there uh and and mike's plan is in motion but we are back to the crux of this episode the third act of this so to speak and listen man this is some crazy shit. I'm just going to run through it real quick, and we're going to yeah. talk all about it. Uh, we get Saul com coming into Mesa Verde to uh, essentially negotiate the terms of the settlement. Uh, he, he tells, he says, Saul Goodman's the name during business hours, which is Saul the time. Love that. <laughs> uh, Kim offers up the 45K. This is where we learned that it wasn't actually 75K. Um, and Kevin is expecting Saul to raise, and Saul says he wants $4 million. Kim <laughs> Kim's face here, and and again, I got to give it up to to Rhea Seahorn. It's it's every single week between her and Odenkirk, honestly. As far as who's the MVP, Rhea probably is gaining on him. It's like LeBron and Giannis at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's literally every episode is one, one, one. Like they're they're going at each other. Her face, her facials here are freaking excellent. You know, the show, this is bad. The show couldn't be what it is without her. Absolutely. Um, Saul is running a grift. And this is a grift that could cost Kim her job. This is biting her in her ass. And Saul pulls out what he's been working on. It is, what is Mesa Verde hiding? A scathing series of commercials fighting against Mesa Verde for moving people out of their homes, all the way up to more salacious things like, you know, <laughs> funding terrorism and things yeah. like that. How do you feel, before I continue, how do you feel about these commercials? Like, these are literally, like, top class, probably the top three funniest gags this show has ever done. I, I thought, uh, first off, it was classic Saul for it to run from like the very serious home ownership thing yeah. to the most obviously fake sex charges ever and that type of thing uh, to, to the point where like it's just such obviously a smoke show. Uh, but th the, the best part uh, of the commercials, to me, honestly, was the way that they edited Kevin's dad. Uh, yes. I thought it was just yep. like it was so <laughs> funny. Like it basically was like a chopped and screwed version of the original commercial. 
uh, I thought it was hysterical. And it, I, it, they've done kind of a good job of making Kevin, he's Kevin, right? Am I crazy? Is, yeah, Kevin, it's Kevin, yeah. yeah. Uh, of making him both, and in a way that like he isn't quite a foghorn leghorn type of character. Right. Like he's both very stubborn to the point of occasionally behaving foolishly. Uh, like, you know, when they're like, don't say that you own and were inspired by Native American <laughs> art hanging in your house. And he's like, I was. Uh, and Jimmy's like, thank you. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. Uh, and he just doesn't give like that type of thing, stuff you should obviously just not do or care about. He almost like is like a Michael Scott level in terms of that. Yeah. But then he also is like, you know, a very traditional. He's like a key. Even if he just thinks he's a cowboy, he actually does kind of behave like one when it comes to all right, I just want to get this done. Yeah, and again, he's not hes not a bad guy. Like, yeah, even, like even here, he's not yeah, bad. Yeah, he isn't, you know, if you want to talk about uh, his industry outside of this television show, sure. But as we're presented with him as a character, he there is no character really in the show outside of, on, at least on Jimmy's side of things. Chuck. That is, yeah, Chuck. Good, that's good. Outside of Chuck, there was never really a character that was more unreasonable than Jimmy. They right. do a very good job of making us root for Jimmy, but he, they also do a good job of reminding us that he is still the biggest prick in almost every situation he's involved in. Even though he's going up against like corporate bankers and stuff, he still manages to look like an asshole. Right. Uh, so, I mean, this is literally bad. Uh, Saul is ready to bring them down because this is his end game here. This is what he wanted to do. And I don't think this is because he loves Kim. I don't think it's because he wants her to be happy. It's just because once again, he's trying to beat down the, the big guy because he feels as though he's the little guy. He did in fact pay off what we were asking about last week with the actual logo thing. You alluded to it. He found the photographer that they made the logo off of and they do not own the photo. So Saul has a case with her of the copyright and he's already filed an injunction, which I think is also, <laughs> I also think is a smoke show because I'm pretty sure that they would have found out about this already. But uh, Saul, yeah. Saul smoked them. I think he went full Breaking Bad here. This is a Saul Goodman season four, season five plot. Yeah, I mean, this was like, uh, I mean, I was, the until the end of the episode, I thought there was a chance that, uh, you know, he, he you know, he, they'd show him back at the house and he would have already packed his bags or something. Like, he yeah. would have known, like, I'm going full scumbag here in a way that is going to ruin every other aspect of my life. So, uh, I, and I'm doing it with, with, I'm doing it with both feet. Jumping yeah. in with both feet, and it, clearly, obviously, that wasn't what happened. But I, as it was happening, I was like, "Oh, I mean, is he going to be living in an apartment after this? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on?" I, I was thinking, we'll get to that in a second. I was thinking he's going to be dead. But uh, after commercial break, we go back to Kim. Everyone's trying to figure out a way to fight back against Saul, who is looking to be in court with them for months, if not years, in order to continue to stretch this out. This is his biggest trump card here. Uh, Kevin meets with Saul uh, in the parking lot after saying he has to go to the bathroom and asks him what it'll take. Saul wants an apology, a public apology for Acker and $45,000. And he wants $200,000 in a public apology, among other things, from uh, Miss Bitsui. And the commercials will stop. And they do a handshake agreement. Uh, 
and that that pretty much ends it there. Saul gets one of his biggest wins, I think, as his new persona, uh, you know, kind of lives up to his name, making everything literally a grift. <laughs> and he and he got what he wanted. Um, how'd you feel about this this uh, parking lot meeting between Kevin and Saul? It was, I mean, I think it was good. Like, as you just said, it's like his first victory on a level that isn't like, you know, criminal bail, let's say. Um, And it's significant that it happened not in the boardroom, but in the parking garage. Mm -hmm. Uh, It happened with the CEO in the parking garage, you know, and that's kind of how he's going to go about doing business for the remainder of his days. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's, like that's it's never you know he'll eventually have an office in a strip mall but you know it, it's he's not starting off on the most professional foot so we get back to mike a very short scene here very short mike segments is also um mike uses nacho to set up lalo by letting uh by having nacho let him know where uh lalo is Mike uses a police radio to get him knocked off. Very professional stuff by, by Mike here as well. Uh, Lalo's picked up by the cops, and he has a gun in the car. So we already know where this is leading, and I think we might know. Uh, I think Lalo might know who did this to him. So we'll see what happens next episode. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was a chance Lalo was just going to shoot himself in the car. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I was like, how crazy are they going to be in this episode? Oh, my uh, God. This has to be the only <laughs> – we were just complaining about how uh, – uh, more, more on our official Invisible Man thoughts coming uh, tomorrow if you're listening to this on Thursday. But uh, we're just lamenting how from Sonic to Invisible Man, everything has a cop in it. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of the things, like Mike isn't currently a cop, but it actually, like, there is a point uh, to him having been a cop, and it's that he has access to cop stuff. And everything else, people are just cops because they're like, oh, what's like a job, uh, like a classic job? Cop. Yeah, he's every man. Got to be a cop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, but uh, I, I I didn't hate um, the Mike stuff this episode as much as I have disliked it uh, over the past couple episodes. But um, really strong stuff here. I'm sure this is going to lead to to more to more on the next episode. I would imagine the next episode might actually be a full on Mike Gus Lalo Nacho episode from what it he, looks like. I mean, the next time on looked pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we get back to the final section of the episode uh kim's back at the apartment and saul of course is playing smoke on the water on guitar <laughs> i bravo saul for for not reading the room that you actually pay for every month yeah um, that's the thing is it's like like it's the one like if this i don't know if it's a buy of the show or if it's intentional uh but they you know if almost every scene when one of them arrives home it's like, oh, things aren't going good for them. And they like, if you were one of them, you wouldn't be doing the usually salt. You wouldn't be doing the thing you're doing because like it makes you seem so oblivious. Yeah. Uh, and he does that often. And he also is oblivious. So yeah. uh, Saul apologizes for not warning her. He needed her real anger to protect her. He calls her the immunity shield because he wanted it to look official when he pulled the grift. Because, of course, even if the grift is over to Kim, it's not always over for him. Um, more bullshit. He says, he says, uh, he asked Kim to, 
tell him what happened after he left. Even wants her to do the voice, which pissed me off, Pat. I was like, this dude is an ass. It's like, so, you are so, so stupid. Like, I think what he's what he is trying to do on one level is be so oblivious that it makes the situation seem less bad than it actually is. He, you know, it's gaslighting. It's like if I if I act like I don't think anything is wrong, then I can act like I'm surprised when you know, your, I can act like, Oh my gosh, I'm so surprised by your reaction. Like I, you know, I thought you'd understand that I, I would, I'd want your anger to be authentic. And then you're talking about that instead of what they actually, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, you know, it's nuanced manipulative behavior. Uh, so Kim says, uh, not in the voice <laughs> that yeah. Kevin is sticking with the handshake shake agreement, even if it's non-binding showing that, you know, Saul really made, uh, you know, really made a, an impression on Kevin and that, you know, he essentially got his way both ways uh, and, and he's going to have the call center. And, you know, Saul says, you know, Acker gets his money, Bisui gets her, her recognition and the call center gets moved. So everyone wins, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not everybody wins. It is literally, you know, she, he grifted Kim. It wasn't the fact that he grifted everyone is that he grifted her in the middle of it. And Kim says she no longer trusts him. The F bomb drops there. Saul says he was protecting her and it won't happen again, but he can't even look at Kim in the eye and tell her that he won't do it again. How'd you feel about this particular part? Uh, it was good. It, I think it, it, it was good, especially because it's hard to pull off the, you know, look me in the eye and tell me it won't happen again type of thing. Like, I yeah. think that is, a you know, not because it's cliched necessarily, but because it is, you know, it's even if, even if it happens in real life, like what value does that type of exchange have with someone? Right. Uh, but they actually did a good job of, of playing it up in this episode uh, because uh, it did show a rare, you know, uh, admission by, or uh, admission by omission, uh, yeah. when he, you know, when he wouldn't say it. Uh, and I mean, once once somebody says, I don't trust you, that, it's I mean, over. that's it. Like, that's that's it. Or we think that's it. So, yeah, 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 uh, exactly. We essentially get the breakup where uh, Kim says we have to go our separate ways because we cannot keep living like this. And she says pretty much what everyone's been thinking for the past uh, year on this on this series. Like they're, they're just not vibing anymore. She's in one place and he's in another place. They are not compatible anymore. And she's done faking it. And she says, maybe we go our separate ways or maybe we get married and the episode ends. And mind you, before we talk about this, two married people can't com be compelled to testify against each other. So maybe Kim is going fully into the grift here. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think that that is only true uh, for stuff that has happened during the marriage. Right. So like the, the, uh, not that it wouldn't be useful but this stuff isn't cut like anything they've done up to this point wouldn't be covered by the spousal thing. And, uh, also, and also on the insider podcast, and I've been waiting to say this so that we can get fully into this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they actually had Rhea on the, uh, on the episode this week, along with Peter Gould, uh, Michael Morris, who directed the episode, uh, the writer, Thomas Schnauz, uh, they were all talking about it, and they they kind of allude to the opening uh, cold open being as some sort of clue as to why Kim did this, but they wouldn't tell they they won't tell us why they wouldn't tell the listener why. And I thought that was interesting 
because it also opens the door that we could get the other part of this story with young Kim next episode, but yeah. also leaves more to question. Why do we think Kim is asking or, or wants to get married? I mean, it's, it's obvious to me that Kim still loves Saul. Yeah. Um, so, so here's the thing. Like she, obviously uh, she was saying, you know, I think up until the saying the marriage thing uh, is, and I actually have a bigger question for you after this that I don't I think the answer to is no but I don't think it's impossible um I think the you know we could easily see do we know uh anything about Kim's father no okay um I think that could potentially be relevant uh to the situation I think yeah I mean beyond the she's she's still in love with him uh I think we all did think that, you know, what she was saying of, you know, we're now going to go our separate ways that I think I always assumed that that would just be, you know, kind of her leaving the, sh like she, her seahorn just wasn't, wouldn't appear in the final season of the show. Like the, yeah. the season finale, this season would have been this conversation, her yeah. saying this stuff to him. And then, you know, the season ends and he's all by himself. Uh, and then we see the final season where free from the, you know, con the uh, confines of a, of the only real relationship that he has, he's able to go full into this mode. Of course, all of that could still happen. Uh, I, but because of the way that conversation appears to have been moved up, at least in the way I thought it was going to happen in my mind, I think there is some much, obviously, as you've said that they alluded to some bigger surprise. Yeah. Now, I, do you think, again, again, I think the answer is no. Do you think, and I might, there might be factual evidence to, I haven't really thought this through. Is there a chance that he is uh, in a relationship with Kim during Breaking Bad? This has come up. You're actually very smart, Pat. This Thank you. I, I, I know, I, sometimes I get one off. <laughs> this has come up on the reddit threads on twitter everywhere i've searched about this so far uh th this has come up uh with saul is potentially still married and that is potentially how saul is going to handle this issue that he had in the in the flash forward is that he's yeah, going to go back to kim i mean she has I, I i said this to a few people she's got to appear in the flash forward. Uh, flash forward like it would really suck if that didn't happen i mean ultimately I think even if it does feel like fan service more than like it, it would be, it would be okay. Ultimately, if they found a way to do the show where these flash forwards were never anything more than vignettes that just proved he was going to be paranoid for the rest of his life. Now, the one at the opening of this season where he said he was going to do something about it makes me think that's definitely not the case. And I do want the version where they ultimately do barrel towards something in the, like the flash forward being a full, episode two episodes five episodes yeah. you get know, surprise yeah. me uh of course you know i don't think he's wearing a wedding ring at all during uh well well he wouldn't Bad. he wouldn't he yeah wouldn't because, wear the wedding because ring. that's stall she's married to jimmy mcgill well what if they get what if they they don't have to get married in new mexico yeah it, it, totally true so so I, I i that's something that i've been thinking about this whole time or, or you know, not this whole time for the past you know day like are, it's kind of like how um, and it's not exactly the same thing, but you know, you remember when fast seven came out and the whole time you're like waiting for Paul Walker's character to die in the movie. And then yeah. 
you're like, it doesn't happen. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, the, and it, honestly, that's, I, you know, the easily the high point of the series, I think is uh, like that they managed to pull off something that was both really surprising and like touching in a classy way. Uh, and not that again, it's just like the thing that the thing that seems inherent in watching something that his character dies or that Saul and Kim's relationship ends that they, the ultimate trick of this prequel is that the one thing you think is sure that's going to happen just doesn't happen. Yeah, and hasn't happened yet. And again, like we're at a point now, let's just be real. Like we're at a point now where we see that Saul doesn't give a shit about anybody, but Kim, and she's not even immune from his bullshit. So on the other end of what we've been talking about is like, there, there, it's a tale of, of one person and her moral conscience being pulled, you know, both ways from Saul. Like, if she goes her separate ways, she might get in trouble. She might get, you know, a lot of things might happen to her if she leaves Saul, right? But if she stays with him, she's fully into the grift. She's fully into the lies. She's yeah. okay with the lies. And I think that she, like, it. and I think this has a lot to do with the cold open as well. She might be okay with that because that's all she, like, Saul is all she has. Yeah. Yeah. And and at that point, like, are we going to we have three episodes left? Like, are we going to be able to delve into that deeply before it's all over? I'm not sure. But like, this is, to me, one of the more compelling um, one of the more compelling cliffhangers that we've been left with on this on this series, but also on the more compelling conversations we've had, because this grows Kim and Saul Again, they are against each other. the 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 episode title is right. Their their, their ideologies yeah, do yeah. not match. How are they going to make this work? How is this going to happen uh, long term? And how is she thinking about marrying this guy? Like at this point, there's no marrying him. He has betrayed her. He's lied yeah, to her yeah. and embarrassed her. I mean, and the yeah, the embarrassment thing is a bit like it was just a. Uh, no matter how you cut it, kind of a demeaning moment that makes it a little sad that no matter what the reality is, Kim is accepting. Uh, that she would be married to him. Uh, now, I think that it's, it, I think that it does, you know, I, you said it was one of the more interesting conversations that we've had. And I think you're absolutely right. Now, you know that I am kind of in, like, I'm kind of a, uh, we were just talking about uh, like the lore in the souls games the other day with yeah. Cyrus and how they basically yeah. don't tell you shit. Uh, and you just kind of have to imagine what's going on. Uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of what they've had, what they've done with Saul a little bit, especially in the flash forwards. Like we don't know a lot and the fun is in guessing and imagining and creating based off of these small hints. And mm -hmm. this marriage thing, even though it's going to be briefer than all of those flash forwards in terms of, you know, a construct of the entire show, it does add to that exact element because right now we're in this space where we're like, oh, okay, there's like these, this crazy, huge unknown and we get to do this little dance around it for a minute and i think that's awesome yeah I, it, it throws a wrench in everything that we know about saul as a character like it, even if it doesn't happen right now for seven days we're gonna say he was married yeah like, yeah it, it's gonna it's gonna it's going to add so much more context to his character that we never knew and to me like the reason i love this episode so much is not only the context that it that it showed it's that to me it's a more a more heartbreaking descent into darkness than Walt in a lot of ways, because with Walt, the story was kind of set. It was kind of set. He was already set in motion. Season one, episode one with Saul. We see the slips. He, he had a chance. He had many chances to be good. 
With yeah, in fact, he he almost still does. Like, right. outside of his relationship with Kim and that really expressing just how dark his personality has gotten. Howard still, Howard exactly. still calls him Jimmy. Howard still exactly. calls him Jimmy. Like, there is still a chance for him to come back. With Walt, as soon as he found out he wasn't have, he didn't have cancer anymore, he was he he couldn't he didn't know what to do with himself. Yeah, like he he was literally like, I I can't do this. I got to go back to meth. And I, I think with, with this, like, there is a delicate balance between really great uh, story writing and, and just really great acting and everything that just brought all of it together. And I think that this is, you know, this is the show's moment where, like, I wish more people were watching this. You know, I wish more people could see these two actors go at it every single week the way that they did in this final 10 minutes. And I wish that, you know, we could have bigger conversations like this because this is a show that needs to be talked about. Yeah, and I mean, it's so because it's like you know the, the there are 20 network melodramas airing on abc nbc cbs and fox like the moment between jimmy and kim like there are where they're like a, the the uh, there's a couple and they're both lawyers and one of them works for a corporation and one of them is a total sleaze bag, but yeah. somehow they make their relationship work this fall on Fox. Like it is literally a shit. Like it's the good version of the show of, sh of shitty shows that people watch. Like it's, it's like, it actually is a really good, intense romantic show. That's the, the, all the Jimmy's half of the story is mostly, it's 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 a backbone is a romance. That's mm -hmm. that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Like who would have ever thought? We thought that it was going to be a bunch of grifts and a bunch of jokes and comedy. This is essentially, you know, past. You know, I mean, I would say even when Chuck was in the picture, this is a story about family and relationships and love. Whereas, like you know, Breaking Bad was essentially about uh, recidivism and and trying to to. Uh, be a good person, but ultimately failing. This is really about how much love can destroy you. Yeah, and we're gonna see, we're yeah. gonna see that. Where I think at this point we're gonna see how badly love can destroy you. Whether it is love for doing things you're not supposed to be doing, the love for a person, we're gonna really see that. And I think that you know, again, I give my utmost uh, recommendation to Wexler versus Goodman. I'm gonna rewatch it after we finish uh, this podcast. But I uh, really love this episode. Next week. Not too much. We, I, I'm not too sure where we're gonna go from here. We, it's not yeah, a very yeah. heavy, not a very heavy Saul and Kim preview, uh, but I would imagine we're gonna get the the fallback from that, and we see them both in the in the courtroom. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, anything else, Pat? No, that's that's all. I mean, it was one of my one of my favorite episodes. I mean, easily of the season. Uh, I mean, it, it, just echoing everything you said, it, it was a really, really great episode that I, I didn't realize how long. Uh, we've been waiting for it. Absolutely. So uh, until next week, thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at RNC Radio Live for all of the latest and greatest on our RNC uh, channels and, and everything that we're doing. Uh, please subscribe to us at RNC Watch, where you can uh, find shows like this and Late Fees, which we're going to have a Late Fees update. <laughs> we're going to have a Late Fees Don't update. Worry. We've been hard at work. Yes, we're, we're, we've been quarantined uh, and, you know, everything is out of whack. I haven't seen Pat uh, in a while. I haven't seen Eric even longer. I haven't seen Cam in even longer. So we're going to try it. A long time. Yeah, like we're, we're going to try and get this together and, and schedule out something. Uh, they are upping the – I heard they're pulling people over and asking them where you're going. Good. I'm glad. They need to. We need to – I, mean, I don't to. know why you wouldn't just lie. Like I'm going to the grocery store. 
don't there's no reason to tell the police the truth but people, uh people going to party and shit is yeah. ridiculous i'm not going anywhere no and and no reason to uh but please 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 uh, on that note you know if if you're if you're gonna be doing anything please just go get the essentials we we want to beat this thing as, as quickly as possible we want to get back to what will be the new normal uh you know whenever this is done and please be safe out there please wash your hands please you know do everything that they're telling you to do please uh and until next week uh we have a lot to look forward to i'm very excited uh, we'll see you next week on recalling song peace kim bojack gi back to that one way where we at with it Black words. Skip. I'm making short term goals. Make the work turn pros. Thought it was a diamond in the rough. Just a lump of coal. Snipe a nigga's soul. Lil' Joseph, he up the pole. Wipe a nigga nose. Boys rolling them buffaloes. Swiping custos. Selling blows. Running through them bows. How you love a nose? Never told no none of my bros I be on the road Ducking patrol Coming through the toe Trying to keep it low But Lord knows I need to move this low Shoot through the O On 75 Set the cruise control It's moving too slow Give it to Todd She gon' move a hoe It ain't what you know It's who you know Plug to this nose Every time it touch It put me right back in the Super Bowl No, this ain't quality That was high tech And my juice I pulled On my mama's stove With a Pyrex full of sushi roll I hit it with them ice chips And ramen noodle bowls It harden up And turn into a Block, look like the suit was cold. The last time I was firing bad, must come. Yeah, that's original. It's a silly cause, I'm faded with free. Hey, yeah. hey yo, BBS is super froze. Coop ain't got no book for dope. My uncle and his partner test my dope. He got a stupid nose. And lately I've been curving groupy hoes, but I get stupid chose. About to drop a thousand in my Rex, I whip the Super Bowl. Them foreign cars, I'm bored with them. About to toss that the Lord and them. Fucking with my nigga Space Coop and Doc dropping at the Lorian. Michael J. Fox jumping out the pot. Michael J. Hops, fuck rap, I can shave rocks. These slave ass rappers can't drop. Rolex say I'm on my eighth watch. Wait, stop. Seven figure niggas still at the stove. All my groupy bitches eat dominoes. And my Houston hoes getting Papa Doe's. My Dominicano about to drop a load. I don't trust the soul. Over nigga trolls Hit the county I was in the hole With some black stones Solid foes I'm checked in Let's in Big bunny rabbit Don Donna I remember when I seen a rapper Do a spot for 1-800 Crime Stoppers I remember being on the run Smoking swish sweet Supping the Ramada Crime Lord Don't vice Lord I'm the underground King Godfather Nigga what? Actually makes you more of a criminal. You said it, bro. That shit is crime school. That shit is crime school.